0: Hello there. We're trying to keep Coral Chihuahua going, and so we draw your attention to the possibility of listening to us on Patreon for just a few quid a month. This also magically gets rid of the ads. That's Patreon with an E, patreon.com forward slash Coral Chihuahua. On with the app.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
0: Welcome to South London Wandsworth Sink of Bohemian Depravity I've been rehearsing in London with Fagellini today Would love to have met up with Nicholas and Eamon Very hard men to track down Uh, Nicholas is just on a plane to US today and Eamon is running Genesis 16, somewhere in London Uh, I've been rehearsing E Fagellini all day and I suddenly thought, hang on, isn't he rehearsing them In Wandsworth, which isn't too far away, and I finished a bit early. So amongst all the sirens, I've turned up at the National Opera Studio, which is where Genesis 16 is, and if I punch in the right code, I hope to see them doing their thing. I'm in. And here's Jess Haig, who's the learning manager, learning and...
2: Genesis 16 manager. That's my full title.
0: And I can hear there's noise coming from upstairs. There's choral noise. I've never been here before.
2: First time?
0: Yes. Is this a regular place? Because you do them all over.
3: Yeah, we've been here every year since we started.
0: Um, This is all under the largesse of one sponsor who covers this thing, believing in the importance of choral. Oh, listen to that. I was singing that an hour ago with Fagiolini. Glorious piece. Good
4: place. Can you you guess
3: who's um, not
0: He hasn't left yet, has he? Conducted by Harry Christopher's and Eamon Dugan, they share the work on this. Up we go the stairs. I'll
2: just. Uh...
5: Cool suspension. (laughs)
0: okay so the ladies are now having to stand up and face the blokes we're going to sing it to them we'll see if that informs the sound a man I've been chasing around for a while Harry Christopher's came to your lovely concert in York Minster the other day saw you briefly in the pub but there were a lot of sopranos between you and me in a good way and here you are in one sort of watching Eamon put the choir through his paces he won't let them off a word, will he? Oh, certainly won't, no I mean, the whole point about Genesis 16 and what we're doing
6: is that we concentrate on the words and coming alive if, you know, singing is nothing without words Everyone says that, but not everyone does it. No, you're dead right, actually. It's really funny, because when we have the um, conducting fellow auditions, we very often hear, you know, a person, say, it's all about the words. And then for the next 20 minutes, they don't mention a single word. But uh, we... we, we bash at them all the time about uh, you know, text, diction, making sense of it. It's not just about putting every sort of constant at the beginning and end of a word. It's making sense of the words. And above all, actually, what's really interesting, and what we're constantly telling him, it's, it's more about the, the unimportant word before it, the unimportant syllable, you know, or an and or an at or in, which is taking us on to the important word and inflecting. And, you know, I mean, you know, Robert, you'd go right back to Monteverde, you know, it's simple things... We sing, we should sing as we speak, and that's, that's the same applies to every, as far as I'm concerned, every bit of vocal music that's got words to it.
0: very limited tools, at least back back then, and Holst writing this arrangement, very limited tools for telling singers what to do. And you need that speech-inflected singing, which is difficult in a choir, but here we hear you and Eamon doing it and just insisting that the thought is there.
6: Yeah, it is very much the thought. And, you know, singers, I mean, we joke about it. I mean, we have this sort of thing that singers, they, they breathe, sing, think. And, it, and constantly <laughs> say, come on, you've got to think. Breathe and sing because it's, you know, it's, it, the idea must happen immediately. And it, it, would it be a part song or, or, or particularly part songs? Because, you know, they're telling a story and the, the thought process and what the composer wants has got to happen immediately. It cannot be an afterthought. If it's an afterthought, there's no point in doing it.
0: But it's exhausting to think all, all the time. I've just come from a Faggini rehearsal where we just finished with this piece, one, one to a part. And, and before we started, I said, okay, first two verses, our only objective is not to drop a single word, chains she rattled, that's so easy to drop. sixteen started why you needed something like this yes. well it was all it was a
6: chance meeting with John sodinsky um wonderful um, philanthropist of the arts and it was oh, it was probably about fourteen years ago now um he'd commissioned a piece of music for his birthday and they wanted to a group to do it and we just happened to be the lucky people that did that and John I think just liked our approach and actually that if it was a new commission we wanted to do something more with it and saw that there was life after something he had instigated so he came to me and said look what can we do for you and I thought well John I mean I've I've been I was really worried about the number of singings coming through from universities conservatoires and a lot of that was to do with the fact that you know the, the Back in my day, and bear in mind, I'm quite, quite
0: elderly. Um, Listeners may, ch- may choose to go back to Sally Dunkley's <laughs> programme right at the beginning of Coral which which you set mm. up with Eamon and me, and you talked about some of that early time with with her singing as well. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, I mean, the, a lot of those
6: singers would have come, bit, come through that Oxford tradition um, of a lot of us about. And then, you know, academic requirements got much greater, um, but there was wonderful music happening at the likes of York, Birmingham, Bristol, uh, Royal Holloway, London. But yet, a lot of these singers were not necessarily going into the singing profession. They're going off doing other things. And so I was trying to think, you know, where are the where are the natural singers where have they gone? And so that's really why, why we started Genesis sixteen to give in a very short period. You know, we have three. We basically see them for three weeks a year: one week prior to the university year, one week at the end of the university year, and then two long weekends. And so we've got singers from all over the country, all different universities, a lot from conservatoires Who? So it's not just about. It's not just about sight reading. In fact, it's nothing to do with sight reading. It's about being a good musician.
0: Sight reading being a means to an end. It is a terribly useful tool, but it's a very useful tool but you know you can you can teach it and
6: if if a singer's musical intelligent and is using their brain and their personality it will come naturally and i don't think we've had any people that haven't come out of Genesis sixteen, not being able to sight read better than they when they they entered it, and as I say, go back to the fact that we're only seeing them for three weeks in a year. But they take these long course at the beginning, they take that information, they take it to the next course, and this lot, the present lot, is an absolute joy, and we've seen this incredible progress. But oh, as you well know, singing is all about, you know, it's just, there's a social aspect to it as well, and you know, making sure that the singers bond together, they support each other. Support your colleague. Support on. your
0: colleague, yeah. Eamon's, well, all our phrases really be a good colleague because I mean, I say to my students that you're, you're going to get more work from your colleagues than you ever will from conductors or, fi- or fixers because people will say, What's he like? or well, I need another Alto. And you need to be a good colleague, supportive colleague.
6: It's also finding the sort of the, the, the strengths and weaknesses of each of each singer, and you know when you're in a section, when in a, you know the tenor section, just finding that and working and making us you know sort of going for the top. And it so somebody's not got not, not so good at the top or the middle register, or they're they're not feeling so. You know, they've had not done any sleep the night before or something like that. Um, and, and it's it's that sort of support and help that's that's so brilliant, and that. Every year we find that uh, that really comes across to them and they realise... And actually, the lo- of course, the lovely thing with Genesis is that it's it's now it's now very much a calling card. You know, if
0: somebody says they've been through a Genesis 16 programme, they will get an audition for... That's th- the point, is it? They'll get the audition. The fixer will decide, mm. but they will get that, that first audition. Yeah. And it's important that, you know, that... that it, it, it's not a feeder group for the 16,
6: it really isn't. It's been. It might, we set it up, Eamon and myself, to to actually that every group should benefit from this, and not just ensembles of our type, but, you know, opera choruses, solo singing, facilitating music. Uh, a lot of the singers have gone
0: into all sorts of different things. Eamon makes this point that at conservatoires, there's still a little bit, it seems to me, from outside a conservatoire, Uh A little bit behind the times when it comes to realising what the professional world is out there because if you go to conservatoire and expect to be a soloist at the end of it you will probably have been trained to do that well trained Um, but so much of the day-to-day work is of this kind that requires these kind of skills and that's that has value oh gosh i mean it's it's been one of my Bagba is really
6: all the time in You know, It's the simple fact, if you're an instrumentalist, you have your single lesson one-to-one, you play in an orchestra, it's a discipline. You should be going to music college as a singer, you should be singing in a choir, it's a discipline. Because it doesn't matter if you're going to go into a solo career, you've got this dream, you know, at some point in your career, you're going to be singing a Mozart record with three other singers, and you've got to be aware of what's happening around you. And it's, it is that awareness... You know, total awareness on the concert stage, on the opera stage, in an opera chorus, being a
0: having a title role, you've got to be aware of the other characters, and so a contra- is, controversial view because you look out there and see how people sing. It's not always that, that case. No,
6: and it's you know it is quite alarming. I mean, I've done concerts over the years where you've got maybe a number of soloists on stage who are fantastic on the opera stage. Get them on the concert platform, and they freeze. Because they've not got, they're not, they're not got a role. They've not got a persona to get into. They're not a prop, and it's it's fascinating. And and it's those you think, actually, you look at them. Maybe they haven't been through this sort of culture of ours of ensemble singing. And really, it stands them in good stead. And I think, I think of the fantastic people that have been through the sixteen. I look back at the likes of Chris Purvis and Pad Moore and Karen Matthew so, Brook that we Matthew spoke Brooke, to. Yeah, and then also in Genesis sixteen, we've got through Genesis we've got the likes of. James Newby's doing a wonderful thing. Um, um, we've had numerous winners of the Ferrier in recent years. Um, Becca Leggett, who was, who was a semi-finalist recently. Fantastic singer. Hilary Cronin. Hilary Cronin, yes, at London Handle Competition. And also, I mean, recently, uh, Beth Taylor, Cardiff Singer of the Year finalist. Wow,
0: that's brilliant. It just reminds me of that Dawn Upshaw, apologies if it wasn't her, but I think it was comment, talking about the King Singers and how it was that that had inspired her. She heard that and just thought, wow, I didn't know you could do that. Apologies if I'm slightly putting words in her I mouth. Think, I think it was
6: Dawn, actually, because she was, she was such a... She loved on song singing and she wished she had done more of it in, in her student and early professional days. But, yeah, great singer. But the, the, this lot, are, uh, as I say, I, I think... You know, when we get to the end of each course, I must say, I and mean, I feel... We feel very sad, you know, that we've achieved so much. But the great thing is we see them again. And the lovely thing with... We had even a song last night in uh, St Albans, Hoban. And there were there were about, about half a dozen, dozen of, of ex-Genesis all coming to support This new lot. That's yeah. uh, uh, great. Yeah.
0: Harry, choose a track to play now. Oh, good Lord, what
6: track could I... Uh, well, look, I'm in bird mode. So, and uh, I was doing various programmes uh, the other day... You've probably played it numerous times, near Iscaris. Too good not to.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And just to get the holst that's been sounding in the background out of our systems for a moment, let's read a translation of this Latin text, generally accepted as being used by the Roman Catholic bird as a plea for tolerance in 1580s England. Ne Iscaris Domine, Lord, turn thy wrath away from us and remember no more our iniquity. Ecce, Respice, Behold and see. We are all thy people. Then in the second half, Civitas Sanctitui or Civitas, depending on your pronunciation. The city of thy Holy One is forsaken. Zion is forsaken. Jerusalem is abandoned. And for English Catholics at this time, Jerusalem, the word itself, is said to have been a code word for a perfect state of being where Catholics were able to worship freely. You'll hear it repeated again and again at the end. we yeah. William Bird's Nei Rascaris Domine of 1589, the 16 conducted by Harry Christophers from their new album to accompany this year's choral pilgrimage, A Watchful Gaze. After this Genesis 16 rehearsal finished, I got to talk to a few of the singers. In a strange recreation of that episode from last year, Robert meets the youth. I'm with the youth again, having done the uh, Third Ages last week. Um, with about nine of you who were just singing, making a lovely noise in some Holst and Samuel Barber part songs. Anyone sung those before? No.
1: No, no,
0: no, no. no completely new to me uh, as well. Uh, are most of you still at university?
4: No, I'm not. I've graduated last year. Graduation.
0: Anyone still at school, or is this the over-18 course? Over-18, no. Is the over-18 course. Yeah, great. Um, I just... You, you must be mentally exhausted. But d- does anyone come out of a rehearsal like that actually feeling strangely fresh or has it been too many days of it one on top of the other?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely um, lifted up by being in front of this group of singers and conducting them. Um, even if you come in at the start of the day feeling a little bit like, oof, it's been a few long days in a row and maybe a few late nights in a row as well, then uh, when, uh, when the music is good, it really helps with that.
0: Some of the... Third ages that Eamon was talking to, and of course a couple of weeks ago were saying about that rejuvenation that you get through uh, through singing in a choir, but that 's something at the end of a day when you' may be doing something completely different you 've had a lot of rehearsal today, and that I mean I got home yesterday and I just absolutely crashed on the bed uh, exhausted after thinking and singing all day. It is extraordinarily mentally demanding but that, that's when it becomes interesting isn't it when when you really get hold of the the text like that
3: I think with the pieces we were doing this afternoon as well it, the breath control that you need I felt like by the end I was sort of had so much oxygen in my brain from trying to sing all these high notes with like <gasps> that, that you were hallucinating <laughs> so, I mean, that yeah, hysteria had hit <laughs> um, I think when we this group is such a special group that I still sort of like get, like, shock when I'm singing. So it kind of, of, like, keeps me going because I just think, this is so amazing that I just sort of get a buzz from singing with everyone that even if I start off tired, I often, like, my energy improves because I just love singing with all of these people and with these amazing conductors. It does improve.
2: I think the uh, rehearsal process itself is actually draining sometimes because it is good when you are singing cover-to-cover a piece, but when you stop ten, to, like the other day we, we've, we didn't get past the first word of Lord let me know mine end with Harry probably twenty times and th- there is an element unfortunately of just going oh, not again um, of, so of, co- co- of course there is
0: because this is work isn't it yeah. this is, for us this is work it's not like going to a uh, community choir after a hard day's work when you're just singing to let your hair down it's about craft it's understanding how choral music works um, and especially with with Eamon. He, he won't let you off a word, will he? Everything, everything matters. But that's why his recordings sound different. I've just been listening to some early seventeenth century. Or on the last podcast, there was some Aspirilio Pacelli composers one hasn't otherwise heard of, apart from that Polish series. And everything's in, interesting on it. And if you haven't heard eighteenth seventeenth century music done like that. It's a surprise to hear singers with such vocal freedom, because don't we all know how early 17th century music sounds? Because we were all there, obviously. And is it meant to be this one-colour-fits-all sound? And suddenly you hear what Eamon gets out of a choir, and that's what he's trying to find in you. If I were to ask you one thing that you would take away from this course, one thing specifically, what would you say? You can think about it. Ben. Ben.
2: I don't know. Um, actually, being focused and paying attention how you know, I'm singing the entire time, and that kind of being
6: reinforced and being bollocked for it if you're not doing it.
4: Um, basically, <laughs> yeah. I think it's also the level of detail, you know, that we work at as well. It, it sort of gives you a heightened sense of engagement that you don't get if you're, you know, sort of being a bit lackluster. So, sort of you take away the. The sort of way that you can really make music out of a piece rather than just singing it and that is really rewarding and definitely something that i've taken away from all
2: the courses i think being active even if you're not changing anything about the notes whilst you're singing it um, that's the the really unique thing about these rehearsals is that you you have to be on the ball and you have to be aware of why you're doing something and where the phrase is going
0: and yeah I mean, this this is this is work. I remember sitting on the back row of the Finzi Singers back in, back in the day when record companies actually paid for recordings, and uh, Roddy Williams and I were singing first bass, and he was, I will say the most talented person in the room, but he was of the most talented person in the room, he was in that group, and there was no-one more focused than him. The entire time, trying to do what Paul Spicer was asking for, completely on the edge of his seat. And it's that level of concentration, isn't it? And, but mental activity, as you've just said.
4: I think also what I'll take away from it is the masterclass we had with Robert Murray, when he told us it's all about emotion and getting everything off across emotionally. So when we're seeing things like the barber, we were just doing, thinking about that as well, which is you know, just great.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, I think it's stuff just as simple as reading through the text that you've got in front of you, which also helps with the vocal load. Because um, I can know from singing in a choir, like a cathedral choir, you sort of are used to just gunning everything and every every word is the same. But that really helps with the vocal load and just understanding the text as a whole.
0: At this point, we got kicked out of the room and the singers had to disperse before going off to see a show. Uh, shame, because there's some interesting conversations starting to happen there. But here's a bit of the barber they were working on just from their rehearsal uh, and this is conducted by Olivia Schott the Genesis 16 conducting scholar who spoke briefly just then. Olivia Shotten rehearsing this year's Genesis 16 cohort in The Cullen from Samuel Barber's Reincarnations. And finally, I did get a chance to chat with Eamon, if only before he got on the train to get back home for a few hours. Wandsworth Town. This, is, this, this Wandsworth Town station, there's a scene in the full Monteverdi where one of the actresses is standing here with her suitcase, having finally left the lover, spoilers, filmed on the- <laughs> on this station so that's a lot of very bright young ones although they've been doing it for a while most of them
2: yeah most of them we would say that they've been uh, singing at a fairly high level but not uh, not exclusively um this particular cohort are a little bit older um the, uh, by which i mean the average age is is a bit older um and probably it's fair to say a bit more experienced as well
0: but younger than you and me <laughs> yes and younger younger than the group at montecano that you were working with in the last episode now obviously there's a level difference and a, a training difference but mentally what are things that occur to you and obviously one could just say oh well they're faster than
2: older people. of course they are but
0: is there is there something in the way they react to text which is different
2: well now that's interesting because i i hear it's a sort of generational thing i think i don't i'm don't want to put a you know a downer on the on the younger generation but um do they read poetry i mean you know do they you know, what's how what kind of exposure are they getting to to that side of things and of course if you want to sing you've got to be able to understand text you've got to be able to understand poetry and and, and make make sense of it in order to get the message across
0: this is why when you do your first winter as age 21 you're not quite ready for it yet but you do sort of need to do it
2: yeah, well, I didn't do Winterreise until I was well into my 20s, because I was, I was a bit intimidated by it, to be honest.
0: You were more a man, were you? I, you beautiful Miller type. I, yeah,
2: I, yes, that's right. But I did get to Winterreise. Um, Let me just say, there's a fantastic bakery smell. Oh, it's just, lovely, isn't it? Oh, oh,
0: cinnamon rolls. Absolutely lovely. Oh, perhaps people will be jumping out for a coffee. Oh,
2: so good. I did a session with the uh, singers yesterday morning because we, we did our, our Radio 3 uh, broadcast even song. So we didn't want them singing in the morning so they'd be fresher in the evening. And I did a, a, a talk called Great Singers and Great Singing. Uh, and it's me playing some of my favourite singers. Oh, I thought it was, it was me. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't feature <laughs> on it. I can tell you that. I do. Um, and we sat down and we listened to, I don't know, seven or eight songs or arias um, have Simon Keeney's side in it it did have Simon Keeney's side in it uh, and of course Anthony Rolf Johnson but also yes. Carolyn Sampson and Ellie Ameling uh, Lorraine Hunt Lieberson Sarah Walker um and when we got to the end of the session I said you know do you ever actually sit down and and listen to music and actually concentrate sit down and that be your sole focus and nobody put their hand up you know nobody they all said no I, I don't do it and it I used to do it a lot, when I, I don't do it now because I don't have time for it sometimes. Because one's
0: always doing it, which is why it's interesting for me to come and watch a session today. But I think that is a thing that, because music is everywhere, doesn't mean one necessarily gets the quality of listening. But I think that might be a thing with university students as well. The time when they go away, you just have to go and listen to entire Hindemith operas in <laughs> the score in the music yeah. faculty. Um, but that's that's ty- tiring too. That The osmosis approach, that it will suddenly, somehow go in, is certainly a a thing with youth.
2: Well, I think there's a difference in how people listen nowadays as well. When we, when we were at university, if we wanted a, a recording, we'd go and buy the CD and then you'd listen to it 60, 70 times and you would learn every single nuance of that particular performance and that would have a big influence on the way uh, one might you know, want to sing. So like, I had loads of recordings by Gerard Zuzet and that was a, a big thing for me. That was a, a big influence. Because everyone just streams now, we don't necessarily know who we're listening to, uh, I and wonder, we, and we don't listen in such detail. I don't think, I suppose the
0: corollary to that is that they do have so many more recordings that they can listen to. Then we have good, we better get on this train. And with that thought about Susie, Eamon had to get off at Clapham Junction, and we parted ways to pick up the conversation another time. But if you're the youth, and you're listening to this thinking what a pair of old farts that's not how it is at all then why not get in touch with us you can write to us but you can even send us a voice note on your phone putting us right and letting us know what it's like on your side of the fence these days not just in genesis 16 of course but whatever your choral experience is if you happen to be listening to choral chihuahua Uh, now this episode will in fact finish by hearing from a young choral conductor sarah latto but for now Let's hear what Eamon meant about the singer's relationship with poetry. Here is Gerard Souzet singing Foray's Moonlight, Claire de Lune. It starts, Votre âme est un paysage choisi que vont charmants masques et bergamasques. Your soul is a chosen landscape where charming masquerades and dancers play the lute and dance, and almost sad beneath their fantastic disguises singing in a minor key of victorious love and the good life they seem not to believe in their own happiness and their song blends with the sad moonlight which sets the birds in the trees dreaming and makes the fountains sob with ecstasy Gérard Souzet, with an unnamed pianist. We think it's Jacqueline Bonneau in uh, Forêt's Claire de Lune. So to finish the programme, here's a short interview with a conductor making her name and who was in the first cohort of Genesis 16 ten years ago. Uh, Sarah Latteau, director and founder of Echo Ensemble, uh, who as well as singing early in contemporary music, work with improvisation. And if you're not aware of how this bit of the world works, I would say that's pretty unusual. Uh, she's talking to our new roving reporter, soprano Ailsa Campbell.
4: Hi, I'm Ailsa Campbell and I'm here with Sarah Latto, who is the director of Echo Vocal Ensemble. Hi Sarah, how are you doing?
3: Hi, I'm very good. Thank you so much for coming to Stoke Newington, to our normal rehearsal space. We're happy that you've made it down here.
4: Yeah, talk to me. So we're in uh, Stoke Newington Methodist Church. Exactly. Um, And what's your connection with this church?
3: Yeah, so I work as music director here and um, it means that Echo rehearses here for, well, London projects and sometimes external projects in other parts of the UK as well. Um, It's a really lovely space. It's quite... My favorite things for a rehearsal room are like the temperature being right <laughs> and being able to see your music yeah. <laughs> so luckily we have both of those things in here because it's a nice modern building so yeah it's lovely
4: excellent good and uh talk to me about echo how when did you sell it up what's the
3: the whole kind of usp of the group cool yeah well we um started uh, we actually started from the genesis 16 um program. So that was back in oh, tw- a while ago, 2016. That... So you know Eamon pretty well then? <laughs> oh yeah, well he's, he's amazing and so is Harry and we, we worked with him for a year. And, uh, and yeah, that's how the group formed actually because we just loved singing together so much that we wanted to carry on doing so. And we had our first uh, gig the following year and, and we've been going ever since then.
4: Lovely. And
3: what have been your highlight projects since you started as a group? Yeah, well we've always um you know been really inspired by well the sixteen and, and kind of our our genesis. There you go, i got both words in there. <laughs> um but also we we've been uh keen to forge our own path as well in the industry. Um and our kind of aims are to Um, include improvisation within our work, I mean that's one strand of our work which is quite important and quite rare potentially within the choral world particularly in the UK Um, and we also want to get every audience singing so almost always at our concerts you'll uh, expect to sing although it's a bit of an industry secret because we don't want to scare off people Um, and we uh, really try and programme quite widely so I think innovative um, programming And and basically thematic programming rather than um, contextual programming is kind of where Echo's found its niche. So we normally take one theme and follow that through, say, 400, 500 years of music rather than focusing on, you know, 16th century Britain, for example, as one programme, which is also a beautiful programme, but it's just not necessarily where Echo has found its niche. Mm -hmm. And so improvisation is quite a big part
4: of your... Projects. Can you talk to me a little bit about the current project that we are um, in situ of yes. right at the moment?
3: Yes, definitely. So this project's been a bit of a gift for us. We we're approached by a Finnish artist called Hans Rosenström and he's putting together an art piece inspired by nature and it's essentially a devised improvisation of about nine minutes. And although Echo's done quite a lot of improvisation, but normally within the context of a concert, which includes, you know, standard repertoire that you might expect in a UK choral concert, we normally have some element of improvisation within that. But this is one of our first projects that's entirely improvised. And we've done three days of recording. This is the third day. And it really has been quite an an amazing process. Um, We start with um, bird calls um, and... Jack in our group has somehow uh, magically been able to imitate um, certain bird species very, very well using whistling and other techniques. Um, And so it um, it starts as if you're in a glade and just hearing birds and then sung voices start to imitate those bird calls. And eventually it becomes this kind of soundscape. And we've also been working a lot as to how you structure that harmonically. And if that's possible, and it is possible, it's just it's a completely different way of working to sheet music, as you can imagine. But um, very challenging, but really exciting as well.
4: Mm, really lifting it off the page, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: or maybe um, having no page at all. Yeah, yeah
4: exactly. <laughs> that was yeah. more, more the, it's some, definitely something about choral music. I think, especially in the UK, because it's such a traditional thing in churches and you know, it's really steeped in that, in that tradition. Mm. And so to be doing projects where you are not even using music and just using the sounds around you is a really interesting thing.
3: The bit you're about to hear um, starts with birdsong and then moves to voiced song, and you can hear how that develops through this segment.
4: That was a little bit of improvisation on bird song from Echo Vocal Ensemble. And who were the singers in that recording?
3: Uh, so it was Sam Cobb, Hilary Cronin and Sally Carr singing upper voice parts. And the lower voice parts were Dan Miles, Freddie Crowley and um, Jack Lawrence-Jones. And Freddie Crowley also has a, his own group, which is named after a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's an it? amazing. It's amazing. An... <laughs> It's amazing coincidence. Um, but actually, this in, in one section of this piece, we say, coup of Pigeons, core of Crows. No. So it's perfectly suited to Freddie <laughs> Crowley and the Corvus Consort, of Excellent. course.
4: So alongside these projects, um, you do concerts, as you were saying. Um, how are you finding, obviously being quite a young ensemble in the industry, where we've got a few giants in mm. terms of core groups and really well-established, got massive audience bases, how do you find... Getting into the industry, how did you find finding like how how did you find your own audience?
3: You're right that the industry has these super famous um, early music groups who are hugely well-respected. I think Echo is very lucky because we have had the support of Genesis 16, which just means that we're kind of in a network of um, people who all are interested in the same kind of things and are making things happen. Um, So it's about the confidence just to make things happen. And, you know, my advice, if there's any other kind of young groups or directors or singers working and trying to make things happen is it's really just about asking and having the confidence to ask and then also ask again. So for example, we uh, have been lucky enough to have been featured on Radio 3 a few times. And we also were on Radio 3's Christmas special last year. And again, this is insider info, but um, to if you're a young group and you want to uh, get one of those slots, it's not just about emailing once. <laughs> and it's about emailing again and again and again. And eventually they'll say, oh yeah, of course. And so, yeah, it's it's um, persistence really, um, which is kind of soul destroying. <laughs> not going to lie, but it's about when you don't hear back from whatever your whatever festival or, or promoter that you're trying to um, work with, not to think that they don't like you, but just to remember they're extremely busy. Um, and then it's just knocking on those doors again and again. So persistence, hard work, and then and a lot of luck, to be honest, is how it works. Um, but having said that there's a lot of things happening i know there's a lot of young groups out there and and we're lucky that groups like the 16 are actually um you know part of the genesis foundation network and supporting as many young artists as they possibly can to come into the industry and, and make things happen but it, it definitely is entrepreneurship that's what i would say
4: yeah and let's let's talk a bit more about this usp idea because i think obviously you said before early music groups there's often quite a an expectation that an early music group can only sing early music, for example, um, and your USP you kind of sticking with the improv, do you think groups need a USP? Do you think it's useful to have when you're... Do you find that it's useful to have when you're pre- presenting yourself to people like Radio 3?
3: Mm. Um, I honestly don't know. I, I think that um, E. fagellini have a really clear USP, and I think... That's amazing, And actually, Eve Adelina, another group that I've always, you know, really looked up to Robert and his work. And, um, we'll not it's... tell him that,
4: though. We'll <laughs> cut this bit, I'll be into <laughs> Seriously? No, no. <laughs> all right. Um,
3: it's oh, it's all right. Game. I tell all the time, anyway. Um, yeah, the, you know, it's, it's, it's about... I guess, for me, I never tried to have a USP. As in, it just seemed obvious to do that, or that's just what I was interested in. And I, I'm, I guess it's about not trying to be something you're not. Mm, and yeah. I think the groups that are successful just do the thing they enjoy doing. And, um, and hopefully it comes organically from that rather than trying to analyze it too much. But you know, it's hard because I, I feel like with Echo, we're in sometimes between a rock and a hard place that we're um, <clears throat> maybe too wild for some early music festivals. Um, but on the other hand, perhaps we're too early music for some <laughs> more contemporary festivals. Um, so, you know, but we just have to do our thing and do it well and with integrity. And that's all you can do, I think.
4: Absolutely. And I think you do that really well. So having said that, let's hear another track um,
3: that Echo have recorded. What are you going to play for us now? Yep. so this is a um, maybe something more choral or traditional it's actually a um, traditional spiritual, but arranged by a really amazing composer called Undine Smith Moore, from American composer from the middle of the 20th century, and uh, it's just a it's just a stunning arrangement. So I hope you enjoy this one, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the Lord, by Undine Smith Moore. Sarah, thanks very
4: much for chatting. Thank you.
0: Dean Smith Moore's arrangement of Daniel, Daniel, Servant of the Lord, sung by Echo Choir, directed by Sarah Lato. And the Hans Rosenström sound piece, featuring Echo, presumably not live, uh, is at Freeze Sculpture Fair in Regent's Park, London, this autumn, from September the 20th until October the 29th. Interesting interview that, that poses as many questions as it answers the USP, uh, the need for integrity. That's a big one, isn't it? Because with the whole social media thing these days and the need to be seen interesting uh, the temptation to do what you think will sell and what people want uh, is a is a hard tug uh, and the big unspoken i suppose is money how do you fund a young professional choral group as i say do feel free to drop us a line on what sarah and ailsa said or anything from your choral corner and we'll look forward to putting a few of them together maybe even for the next program if you can get them to us in the next few days um Eamon, and and I are going to try to get one more program up before the autumn. But if we don't forgive us for this being a short series, we will very definitely be back then. Some quite exciting choral things to report. I hope your singing summers are going well and you're getting some joy out of singing post-COVID. I think we're still all feeling lucky just to sing sing again together, even if it isn't easy. See you next time.
6: Planning for your next trip.
0: just before you go, another reminder to try listening on Patreon, which costs just a few pounds per month. Or if you prefer, you can very simply make a one-off donation. You can actually do either via choralchihuahua.com. Thanks.